the Buffalo Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Monique Gordion, and the great news is you found the podcast, a space for stories that will arouse a smile and inspire us as we tap into our collective experiences. Enjoy. Welcome everybody to the Buffalo Podcast. It's really great to have you back. Thank you for joining us. And I've got a very special guest on today. Uh, It's my son, Asher. Hey, Asher, how are you? Hey, I'm well. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Now, Asher lives, where do you live, Asher? I live in Malmö, which is a city in the south of Sweden. Uh, And how long have you been there? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah. And can you speak Swedish? Uh, I speak a little Swedish. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's coming along. <laughs> I can re- read a little better than I can speak. Um, ah. But yeah, I'm taking a language course later in the year. So that will. Oh, great. Get me. Can you say something or you prefer not to? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I can introduce myself and maybe talk a little bit about where I live. Sure. Okay. All right. Let's go for it. Hey, hey. Uh, you're Heta Asha. You're for two, four or you're come from Australian, Brisbane. You're your ticket on Bastu. You're hard and flick van. Heta Kia. Ok. Hund. Heta Indi. Ah, so I <laughs> maybe you understood some of that. Yeah, you have a dog, a hound, yes. called Indy. <laughs> yeah, and your partner yeah, nice. is is Kia. Kia. Yeah, yeah perfect. Oh, wonderful. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's really good to have you on. Um, you have been on the podcast before with Kia, actually, talking yes. about some travel stories when you um vanned around Australia. Um, yeah. but I'm really excited about what your story is going to be today. Um, I don't know what that is, so uh, as is always the case. So um, do you want to go ahead? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I wanted to share a collection of stories from the same location in Sweden. Okay. uh, A lake that's about a couple of hours north of Malmö, where I live. Uh, It's on the border of the two regions. We live in Skorne. The next region is Småland. It's a very, like, forested uh, area, not a lot of people, quite small cities, very beautiful, like amazing nature, um, how, great place how, to go. And How oh, far yeah. away is it, did you say? About two hours from, uh-huh. from where we are by driving. So um, um, I'm just breaking in here, but I'm going to visit Asher soon, Asher and Kia, in yes, like three, three weeks or four weeks or something. Yeah, yeah, it's not um, long now. Yeah, will we be going there? No, oh. we won't. <laughs> okay, not to worry. <laughs> we'll go to some other lakes. <laughs> some other beautiful places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, I interrupted you. Go on. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've been at that lake in different seasons for different events and seeing different people throughout my time here. And mm. um, each time has been amazing. And some of the best experiences that I've had, some of the most quintessential classic Swedish experiences have all had on that lake. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to share some of those. Great. So my first experience, my relationship with the lake <laughs> began mm-hmm. with, I partook in an event, an, an athletic event called Swim Run, which oh. I hadn't, I had only heard of briefly in Australia before coming over. 
it seems to be a Nordic sport uh, where you essentially are traversing the landscape with your body, uh, <laughs> covering islands, <laughs> covering lakes, basically running and swimming. Yeah. Uh, series of, of different river crossings, crossing lakes, swimming to islands, running across the islands, running across mainland. Is you that cover? Is yeah. that like the one Rich Roll did? Yeah, that's the same. So, like, oh. he did another one up near Stockholm. Okay. Um, but it's the same sport. So I heard about it through him, but I, uh, it's not really well known outside of the Nordics. Mm-hmm. And I think mostly it's done in Sweden. I don't think it's done in many other Nordic countries either. So it seems to be a Swedish thing. And Swedes are like nature lovers, so it makes sense for them to mm. want to explore the nature that way. Um, very active people. So, yeah, I, um, I was invited to come along through, through work, through a friend of mine who has a company um, selling shoes, barefoot shoes, who sponsored the event. And, yeah, I was, I was told we're going to go and do this race. It's about 30 kilometers long. And you need to be prepared to do a lot of swimming, a lot of running. I wasn't given so much more information. <laughs> Basically, buy a wetsuit, take these shoes, get some paddles and a little floaty that you put between your legs. and, and that, uh, That's hand paddles, right? Yeah, so you have these paddles on your hands, basically to turn you into a big frog. Like you have these huge <laughs> flippers on your hands. Because the idea is that when you're swimming, you're just using your upper body and your lower body is just floating. You basically put oh. this floaty between your legs so that way your legs get a break when you're swimming and then when you're running your arms get a break oh i see i see yeah, so, and there's uh-huh. multiple crossings over over 30 kilometers or so you're you're in and out of the water 25 to 35 times wow you might swim a kilometer then run 100 meters then swim 100 meters then run five kilometers and it's up and down it's always changing so you run holding on to the flippers yeah you have and the all thing. the gear you can tuck it into your wetsuit and you uh-huh. strap the the floaty to your leg and you've got a cap and goggles and all this stuff it's it's really amazing you become like this amphibious creature um so i didn't go i didn't have so much uh, preparation i i went out and i did my runs and i did swimming and i thought yeah i'm gonna be okay so the day of the event i get out there and the guy who i'm doing you're meant to do it as a partner as well that's another thing you're tethered together by a string by a rope Oh. So you have to stay within three meters of each other at all times. <laughs> so not only are you, yeah, doing all this, uh, traversing this complex landscape, you've got to stay together. And there's probably about 30 other teams. So mm. about 60 or so people are doing this event together. So I was told it's 30 kilometers. That was what I was prepared for. Uh, I get there on the day and it turns out because of COVID, they had to like change some of the, uh, the setup where they could put the aid stations and the um the spectators so they had extended it to 38 kilometers okay and that's that's another you know that's a 30 (laughs) percent increase that's a pretty big increase yeah i was like okay i I can i can adapt and it turns out my partner was in far better shape than me he'd been doing this (laughs) event for years and he was just a complete gun so when we started the the race he just took off and we had chosen not to use the rope you don't have to um but Uh. it's recommended and he just took off and within the first few minutes, I had lost him completely. And I was wandering <laughs> through the forest trying to find him. Oh, no. And after some while, I, said, I thought, I'm just going to follow the track and see if I can find him. And I found him and he was waiting for me, a little bit upset. Like, where were you? Where oh. were you? Come on, we need to go. And I'm like, hey, I was looking for you. You left me. I'm, I'm a complete newbie. You need to look after me, man. So I follow him. And the whole time, it's like cat and mouse. I'm trying to catch him, catch him, catch him. And I'm, 
And it, we're about 10 kilometers in, you know, quarter of the way and I'm getting exhausted. Yeah. And then he says to me, uh, he says, hey, I'm going to run ahead. You just <laughs> do your thing. He <laughs> cut you loose. Run it. Yeah, he's like, I'm just going to. And I said, well, what does that mean? He said, well, we're technically disqualified, oh. but we can still we can still run it. We just yeah. can't compete. And I said, well, I'm not competing anyway. I'm, I'm in like at the very back of the pack. That doesn't matter. I just want to do this thing. So part of the, the difficulty of this kind of challenge is that you have a teammate with you. You know, mm. you egg each other on, like you give each other that motivation. Yeah. So I'm at the back of the pack. I think there was like two or three other teams where I was, but I was running alone. Aww. I didn't know the track. I'm just what? like doing my thing. But I was in my, I was in my, in my body, in my mind. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I'm just trudging yeah. along. It was going fine. <clears throat> and it was some of the most difficult swimming I've ever done because you have such a strong current. Oh. I had been training in the ocean where the current was, you could pick like the current was in your favor or not. You could choose to swim against or with, but in the lake, it was changing constantly. Oh. And there was so much wind. So the, the top, the current on the surface was different to underneath oh. the surface. And I was being, uh, it was taking me so long to do the swimming because I would keep on getting stuck in these currents. Oh no. I was completely knackered. Yeah. And I was falling over because I was like oh. starting to just, uh, I hadn't eaten properly either. I'd only eaten quite lightly because we were going to get lunch afterwards. And I thought, oh, it's only a four hour race. I'll be fine. I ended up being out there for over seven hours oh my God. by myself for about five of those hours at the back of the pack. And Aww. I keep passing through the checkpoints. And as I'm passing through the checkpoints, there's a guy who's hired by the race following me to take the signs down because they're, they're ah, literally ah, packing ah, up the race. Ah, ah, <laughs> they're shutting everything down as I pass through the checkpoints, like packing up the table, all the snacks oh that God. they provided were done. So there was no food for me to eat. There was no oh. drinks for me. I was just like on my own. Well, you keep telling me. Were you scared? Oh, I was fine. No, because it's like I could follow the trail and like, the lake is, it's a big lake, but there's boats and there's, there's people around. So it's okay. going to be okay. I was never scared, but I had this feeling of like, I need to hurry up. <laughs> but then I started getting an injury in my knee and I was getting uh. such incredible pain with every time I, I ran. So I had to walk very fastly instead of oh. running, which made me lose even more time. And then I got to this checkpoint and they said, you need to hurry. Like you need to swim across here right now. Otherwise you're going to be disqualified. I swam as fast as I could and I get over there and they said I'm sorry we have to send the boat for you you need to you need to be taken back by boat and I was completely oh, I was so bummed um so Sebastian who I was running with he was still on the course because there was still about six kilometers left um and I wanted to I wanted to share I actually found out that the race had been extended at this moment so I had been training and I had my watch and everything which was showing that I was at 32 kilometers which in my mind was almost at the very end because mm. I thought it was about 32, 33 kilometers. And then they told me we've had to extend it. It's actually 38. So all of a sudden I realized there's five kilometers left. There's no way I can finish. So they had to yeah. pull So I get brought in on a boat by the race organizers <laughs> and I don't even get taken to the, to the, across the finish line. I get dropped off where the kind of like ending point is. And I just have to kind of walk to the food tent i don't go through the finish line i don't get my medal Aww. and then the, the other finishes they finally come through about five minutes later and they they come through the uh the finish so uh it was an amazing day but i had this feeling of like i need to come back and <laughs> try this again so uh, can i ask a question yeah um <clears throat> how did you cope mentally with that uh well you could call it a failure i guess but your experience of the difficulty and all of that like how did you process that without when getting I, into kind of 
self-criticism and stuff the the organizers on the boat they told me that every year at least two or three people don't finish ah and i had been the only one that year and they said normally it's a team that doesn't finish and they both pull out they rarely ever have one person out running by themselves <laughs> so they stay like they commended me and said like you know you did really well you were out there by yourself for over yeah. like over 20 kilometers um <laughs> and they said you know well done it's 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 a difficult race it's you know almost 40 kilometers in the bush <laughs> it's it's tough so yeah I felt really I didn't feel like upset at myself I just felt a bit like uh motivated to want to try again well that's great that's yeah. great that you could feel that yeah so that was my first experience with the lake and during the race um at one of the checkpoints that the actual checkpoint that I got pulled off the race yeah. the person who was telling me I'm sorry love but it's over for you now <laughs> she turned out to be the mother of one of my good friends and oh. she lives on a house a big house on the lake so the pieces started to fit together so i was chatting with her and then i ended up chatting with my friend and he said that they you know they have regular gatherings out on the lake where they go to the house and the family house and they have a sauna and they go like supping and canoeing and all this kind of stuff exploring the lake and he said this winter we're going to do something out there and um you and kia should come along we're going to have a nice big winter party so the next time i ended up on the lake was about six months later uh, in February, uh -huh. in the coldest part of, of the year. Uh -huh. And it had been a really particular, particularly cold year um, where all the waters had frozen in southern Sweden, which never happens. Oh. So here in Malmö, the water had frozen on the ocean. Wow. About 100 meters off the shore, people were ice skating on the ocean, which I had wow. never seen before. And ice skating in the canals, and we were going to, do, to go to the sauna at the, at the ocean and digging holes into the ice. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And for me, it was like my first proper winter in, my, in Sweden. So I thought this is normal, but this never happens apparently. Mm -hmm. But we got invited out to this lake and the entire lake, this huge lake that I had just been swimming through, exploring in the summer was now frozen. And to see it in the contrast, that was one of the things I love about living here is to see the contrast of the seasons and how mm. one place can be transformed mm. uh, so amazingly. So we're on this lake again. Uh, lack of greenery everything is you know all the all the trees have lost their leaves it's yeah. like a completely different scene and the the lake is so thick with ice it's mm. at least a foot you know mm. thick of ice it's just mm. it's thick it was mm. supporting way, a lot of weight there and we got there and there were tons of families out there playing ice hockey and wow. ice skating around and we end up spending a couple of nights out there and it was just one of those classic northern experiences. We we got there, we tried to dig a hole into the ice so that we could take swims. So we oh. got this big like kind of ice screw, and we're just screwing, 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 <laughs> making making basically a ring of holes, and then using a sledgehammer and an oh. axe to try and knock <laughs> the thing out. And it was it was amazing. Um, I think I've seen up, photos of that. You yeah, that on, we yeah. were using these big boulders to smash and crack the ice so that we could get in there. And we ended up taking amazing saunas in the evening, you know, swimming, you know, basically dipping ourselves into this freezing water. And you go underneath the surface and because of all the algae that grows underneath the ice, mm -hmm. it's just bioluminescent green. You know, when you wow. put your head under the ice, it's, it's green and it's so amazing. It's uh, like being in an alien world. Wow. And because the ice is constantly shifting, because it's expanding through the night and shrinking with the day and it's it's basically constantly moving even though it seems still and solid it's always moving um so it makes this incredible sound the sound of the ice kind of crunching together when you put your head underneath the water it sounds like 
lasers like pew, oh. pew, pew, pew. like you could imagine like a star wars kind of like oh, kind of sound yeah. effect yeah it was the most amazing sound you could put your ear directly to the ice on the surface or you could stick your head underwater and you would hear these sounds oh hi and then throughout the night that's indy indy by that's the way indy the dog by the way <laughs> <laughs> wants to play um yeah all night while we were sleeping we could yeah. hear the lake moving wow you could hear these sounds echoing through the whole through the whole lake and the sound is bouncing off the ice and off the trees. It was, it was truly amazing. So we had a fire, we took some sauna, we basically watched, you know, watched the moon and, and enjoyed mm. the, the cold water. And it was a classic uh, Swedish winter experience. And then wow. the next morning, one of our friends, he's a musician, he's out on the ice with, with a harmonica playing music. We've got other <laughs> friends on ice skates, dancing on the ice. Oh, really? Oh my God. And watching the sunrise come up over, over oh. the lake. And Sounds like a fairy yeah, tale. It was, it was amazing. It was yeah. one of the most amazing experiences I've had here. And mm. it was in the same lake. It was, yeah. it was like to be able to see it in, in that environment yeah. um, made me feel even closer to it. Fast forward again, another six months, we come to the next summer mm -hmm. and it's time for swim run again. We're <laughs> back at the lake. Okay. <laughs> We're back at the lake. Okay. Uh, so did you, this time. Did you train? Yes. A little bit, not as much. Uh, <laughs> this time, Pia and I did it together mm. this time. And uh, we trained a little bit, but we were doing the shorter race this time. Um, it was only 15 kilometers. So we mm -hmm. didn't train as much, but we felt fine doing it. It was, yeah. it was not that difficult. It was actually more enjoyable. We had a lot of fun doing it, which is yeah. what we wanted. We didn't want to pick something that was going to be a suffer fest. We wanted to actually go and have a nice day yeah. on Lake Inmelm and have a, have a good time together. So we had a lot of fun. But the only catch was classic form for us. I said to her, I don't care what place we come. I want to finish. I want to run through that, <laughs> through that finish line this year. I'm not coming back on a boat. <laughs> and she's like, okay, it's okay. We'll finish. We'll finish. And Kia had had to learn how to swim for this as well, because she oh. um, didn't really, she can do this. Uh, what do we call it? Uh, they call Dog it doggy, doggy paddling. Dog paddle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Breaststroke. That's what Rest we call stroke. it, really. Here they call it gra granny swimming because all the grannies oh. go to the public pools and swim that way. <laughs> so she could do that, but she didn't learn freestyle yet. Mm. Um, so tried learning that. It was it was working to a degree, but the confidence wasn't there for the open water. Mm. So stuck with the with the breaststroke, and that was just fine. And we we made our way through the running and the swimming went really well. But in classic form for for us, <laughs> we we like to eat. We're, we're we like we're a bit of foodies. So on our way through, um, we have about five kilometers left and we're, we're doing okay. We're in like the, the bottom third, but, but we're not last. We have a few people behind us. Yeah. We run into Felix's mom again, who has the house on Inmelm. She's, uh, she's volunteering once again, and she's got all these wonderful treats, cakes and all these wonderful things that we can eat. And uh, we stop and we must have spent 15 minutes at this aid station. You're meant to run through, take a gulp of water, take a quick bite, 30 seconds in and out. We spent 15 minutes standing there catching up, eating everything that we could see, twice of everything, asking for recipes. And as we're standing there, people are passing us, you know, on the yeah. track. Oh my God. And we're like, we, sh we should get going. We should yeah. go. We, have a we just have a few kilometers left. So we end up making our way to the very back of the pack that way. Um, <laughs> and we end up coming last. <laughs> but we did finish. Yay. And it was so funny because we thought, well, we should at least try and do this in under four hours. We don't want to come dead last. 
We came in just a few minutes past four hours, dead last. Only because of the cakes. <laughs> <laughs> if we hadn't stopped to eat the cakes, we would have performed a bit better, but it's okay. <laughs> well, yeah. you did say you wanted to just enjoy it. So yeah, you and did, it was. Right? It was very enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> and that was and a great, that, great achievement, especially for Kia yeah. to be in the water for such a long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And we we did weren't completely exhausted after we had the energy to go and do some nice things. Uh, so what did you wear on your feet? Because you would have had to had something shoes. on your feet. You, you wear like a barefoot, like a minimal shoe. Oh that you can run yeah, in and that's yeah, not yeah. gonna weigh you down while you swim. Yeah. So did everyone wear the barefoot shoes? Or did some of Something them wear similar, like yeah. lightweight? People wearing, uh, yeah, basically any kind of lightweight shoe. Some people didn't wear barefoot shoes, but something lightweight. Yeah, yeah. You don't want something that's going to fill up with water and uh, no. think, yeah. <laughs> so was your shoe enclosed or was it more like a sandal? It's enclosed, but it has. it's made of mesh, so it drains uh, water very easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like a, yeah. water, a water shoe. Kind of, except yeah. it's still a sneaker. Oh. It's just very light mesh. Uh -huh. um, but we decided to, we used the rope in the beginning, but it wasn't really working. I found it was a bit of a distraction. We kept on getting our legs and our arms caught up in it while we were swimming. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Oh my God. It was like a, it was like a, um, I don't know if you can say this on the podcast, but like a BDSM thing. Kia was all wrapped up in rope at the back just uh, trying to untie herself. <laughs> oh my God. I wish you had someone videoing you. It would have been so funny. <laughs> And uh, I, I ditched the paddles because they were, I found using the paddles, it gives you a bit more power, but you yeah. use so much more energy to get them through uh, the water. Yeah. So it's the trade-off isn't really worth it. And I knew mm -hmm. I was going to swim a bit stronger than Kia. So if I took the paddles away and she used them, then we ended up being more yeah. even. So yeah, that's a good idea. So yeah, it worked really well. A good team. Um, <laughs> Are you going to do it again? Not this year, <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see for next year. The but, relationship uh, with the lake continues. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so then the last experience, which is a perfect way to top things off with the lake, mm. it was this last year's midsummer mm. we spent at the lake. Mm. So after being there for two swim runs, having the winter experience, now we got to spend a full weekend back at the house, mm. but in the summertime. Mm. And this actually took place a week before the swim run. Uh, or a couple of weeks before the swim run. So it was nice to be there and enjoy the lake without the pressure of needing to <laughs> run and swim. So this midsummer was, if you're not familiar with the Swedish midsummer, it's, it's practiced in, I think, Norway, Denmark, Finland, all the Nordic countries have this practice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a traditional midsummer celebration. It's an old pagan celebration, basically coming together on the longest day of the year and eating, drinking, as putting one of these maypoles up, one of these big poles with a cross and uh, the rings and yeah. covering it in flowers and people making uh, flower kind of wreaths for their heads. And yeah, everyone's all dressed up and we're drinking schnapps and singing songs <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, doing these little dances and, and <laughs> stuff. And it was really nice because the, the people who were organizing it, our friends, they, they know how to throw a good party. They're good yeah. hosts. So they had set up so many games and uh, like they had paintball guns. We were trying to shoot oh. these targets and they, they had collected a whole assortment of different like household objects and said, we'd broken up into teams and we basically had to go around, do all these different activities and whichever team had the highest score at the end was the winner. And as your job as a team was to take all of these household objects, chairs, broomsticks, 
random clutter of objects and try and make the tallest tower that you can stacking all these things on top of each other <laughs> wow and that was amazing because you got to see the real creativity especially with a bit of schnapps and wine that people <laughs> have been drinking as the game went on it became more and more creative <laughs> yeah i bet so yeah it was and our friends uh, who are musicians they played they played some music there kia also played they set up a concert on top of a roof on basically the sauna is built next to the next to the lake and on top is a natural uh, natural roof. So there's a seed, grass seeds and flower seeds all over the roof. So mm -hmm. the whole roof becomes basically a paddock. Oh, and they yes. had set up, they had set up speakers, amps, wow. everything up on top of the roof. And we all sat on this hillside, about 50 or 60 of us watching our friends sitting on top of this roof on a wow. lake, the most beautiful, perfect, wow. picturesque day, watching them play their music. And Kia was up there playing a song with them as oh. well. And it was just, it was amazing. It was Everyone who, everyone who was there like was saying that this was the most amazing midsummer that they'd ever had. It was Aww. the most like memorable. And I was so grateful to have been there for that. Um, yeah. And they've actually sold the house now and moved away. So that was the last kind of oh, big wow. experience to be yeah. having at that house. So that house and that lake uh, has been really important for my time here the mm. last couple of years, you know, mm. settling in, finding my place, making friends, experiencing some of these quintessential uh, Swedish traditions yeah uh, are you still friends yeah. with the the yeah yeah definitely they actually live just down the road from us and now that we've bought a new apartment and we're moving we're going to be moving closer to them we're going to live oh, on good. the street oh wow so <laughs> we're going to be uh, seeing them quite often um so yeah it's uh it's an important uh, place for me that lake yeah that's nice yeah. wow yeah. wow that's amazing <laughs> Well, is that yeah. the end of your story? That, that's that's my collection of stories from <laughs> Inland Lake. <laughs> Can I um just ask you um what it's like to move to another country that's so far removed from Australia? You know, it's mm. you know we both have travelled a lot, so it's not like we're new to being in other cultures, but to live in a another culture that has a I mean, a lot of Swedish speak English, so that's mm. helps, yeah. right? But yeah, yeah. everything is it's quite different, <clears throat> isn't it? Every, the buildings are different. The food is different. Like how, how has that been for you? It, it, it was really easy. The oh, transition was, yeah. was really easy. Do you think <clears throat> that's because you were with your partner, like here? I think that helped a lot. Mm. Um, I could, yeah, I made friends. Through her easier, I was able to move into an apartment without needing to worry about, you know, renting or leases or any of that kind mm. of stuff. I was the transition um, was very easy. Help Hakia helped me set up bank accounts and set up my business and all of that stuff in mm. the beginning. So I think that definitely made it uh, quite breezy. Mm. Um, but but really, like it's Sweden, like any country, it's not. You know, the culture that I know, the Swedish culture that I'm familiar with is from Malmö. It's from southern Sweden. So I can't mm -hmm. really say what it would have been like to move to Stockholm or Gothenburg yeah. or up north. Mm. I just know that Malmö is a very welcoming place. It's um, apparently it's the most diverse city in, in Europe when it oh. comes to the amount of languages that are spoken. It's like 180 different languages. 180? How many, yeah. how many people are in Malmö? Uh, 400,000. So it's it's not a big city. <laughs> so that's a lot of different languages. In... There's a lot of diversity here. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of um, immigrants, like 
travelers, like people from all over the world end up in, in Malma. Um, mm. Yeah. So, so that, yeah, that must make it um, easier to assimilate because everyone else has been doing it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Mm. The city is made up of people who at some point were welcomed here. Mm. So they just continue giving mm. <laughs> that welcoming to others. So wow. it was quite easy. And as far as language goes, every, every Swede living in a city speaks English pretty fluently. Mm. Mm. Um, the only times that I've been pressed to, to speak Swedish, I mean, I'm trying to practice as much as I can, but it is, it's difficult when there's no urgency too. Mm, true. When, you know, when you're not being pressured to, mm. uh, it's a bit slower. But unless I'm, I'm meeting with people who have immigrated here who speak their native tongue and Swedish, then I'm forced to find some yeah. some balance between English and Swedish and, we, and we, we figure it out. Does that happen very often? Yeah, that happens quite often. Yeah, oh. when I go to the market or if I go to some smaller stores. Oh. Um, but it's simple, simple Swedish. So it's easy to get back. Yeah. And, and culturally, it's, it's not that different from Australia in many ways. Oh, how um, so? Well, I find Australians also want to spend as much time as they can in nature when they have it. They go on vacation to, you know, beautiful places. They want to be yeah. at the beach. They want to... They want to move their bodies, do a lot of activity, a lot of sports. Um, we're social, but we also like our own time. You know, at the end of the day, we don't go out to the local square like they do in Italy. Yeah, They'll go yeah. home. Yeah. TV. Like, like yeah, that's people, right. people retreat back to their own space. Um, so these are a little bit more closed in the, in the way mm. that in Australia, it's very easy to just walk up to anyone on the street, start a conversation. In Sweden, it's a little bit more difficult to break through that first barrier mm -hmm. um, but once you do get through that initial barrier you'll find some really amazing friends oh man yeah. how exciting the first and week that i lived here i was saying good morning to people in the street you know how you do in australia yeah you walk down the street good morning morning how's it going <laughs> i was doing that when i first moved here and the looks i was getting people would stare at me like what who is this freak well this person must be crazy and i told kia and she's like you cannot do that here people are going to freak out so why do and, they freak uh, out it's just i mean obviously it's not it's, done, it's but... just strange yeah because you just don't do that um maybe if you i've noticed since having a dog it's totally fine because you talk mm. to other dog owners and you have mm. this connection mm. but if it's just you and and random people on the street um but another thing i noticed when i first got here as well was the way like in an elevator situation in Australia, you get in the elevator, you see someone coming, you hold the door, you let them in. Yeah. But here you press the closed door button as quick as you can so that you can be in the elevator alone. <laughs> when you want to leave your apartment, you look out into the hallway or you listen for the hallway to make sure no one's out there. Then you go. If there's people walking around, you take your time, you wait for them to leave. So you don't have to have this, this uh, interaction, <laughs> random interaction with strangers. So they're not really into small talk. No, not at all. Mm. And like, I, I found myself adopting the same things. If I'm in my building and I'm going through the elevator and I can hear the front door of the building opening and I think that person might want to use the elevator, I need to be as quick as I can to get in the elevator and get the door <laughs> shut so I can be in there alone. Uh, yeah, it's funny how you adopt those things, whereas I would not have done that in Australia. No, I always find when people don't hold the <laughs> elevator for me, I think, hey, why aren't you holding yeah. the elevator, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so little differences like that, but some of the core differences, some of the core things are very similar. Yeah, yeah. but you've um, you've got your own business there now, doing yoga and massage and things, and you've worked yeah. in, in the um, what is it, foot barefoot shop store? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
got a few things going on. Yeah. I started my business in the beginning of the pandemic when I moved here, which was mm. interesting. That was, uh, that was actually easy, surprisingly, because there was no other competition in my industry. Yeah. All the gyms, all the yoga studios were completely closed. So I found it quite easy to set up, you know, meet new people, get some clients. and uh, Yeah, and you, you did yoga in the park, which yeah, exactly. had people done that mean, before? Or was that Yeah, they, they were doing it in the summer, but I started it in the spring. So I got a, oh. a little head start. Yeah. Yeah. So I found running a business here has been quite easy as well. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a very easy transition. Wow. I haven't had, the first year I was still, I had to pinch myself to remind that I was actually living in another country. Yeah. I knew that I was in Sweden, but I had this feeling of, well, Australia's just down the road. Oh. just around the corner yeah like but <laughs> i had to realize i'm on the other side of the world in a completely different country yeah that speaks a different language but because everyone speaks english and a lot of the friends i made were quite laid back and relaxed and like one of my friends he has like a stand-up paddleboard company wears board shorts like loose t-shirts and like a cap <laughs> he looks he looks like an aussie he's got long hair little mustache yeah, he looks been... like a guy who's wandered off bar in you know, a bar and bay or something Tobias, so hanging out been, with him all day. He's been, he's on, been the on the podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you co-hosted with me. So. Yeah. So and I'm going to meet him, him actually when I come over, which would be nice. You will. Hmm. So yeah, having that experience makes it. It was difficult to, uh, to realize <laughs> that, that I'm in, you know, a northern country. <laughs> yeah, so, except yeah. for the cold. Yeah. Cold and grey and yeah, rainy <laughs> and <laughs> for about six months of the year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my! Well, that's. That's, that's when you go to the sauna oh you got it and yeah. it's really hot isn't it like how hot is the sauna? oh that's another thing the saunas in australia are uh, like so soft <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's 40 degrees maybe 50 and yeah. here the saunas are like 110 at, at oh. a max you know you could probably sit comfortably at between 70 and 90 but the some of the hotter ones will easily touch 100 or go higher than that um which is really amazing. It'll actually burn your head. Like if <laughs> I don't, I don't go to the hot ones because I prefer the uh, the steam ones. A bit more mm. humidity. They're around eighty degrees, eighty five. But if you go in the hot ones and you sit on the top level, people wear these caps. There's these <laughs> classic um, Russian and Finnish like bastu sauna sauna caps <laughs> made of felt that protect the top of your head from being burned. <laughs> the skin is so sensitive up there. It's crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I remember when I was visiting you just a few months ago and I was using the sauna in your building, yeah. which struggles to get up to 50. Yeah, it does. You know, it's... I was sitting in there and I was just getting, I was waiting for the rocks to get hotter and hotter and I was pouring water on there and I'm like, I'm going to make this as humid <laughs> and hot as I can. And it was just touching 50. Yeah. And then a man from your apartment block wanted to join. So he opened the door, he came in and he looked at me and went, Oh no, this is far too hot for me. And he left. <laughs> I was thinking, wow, the guys, the same, you know, the same guys, your age back in Sweden, they're like the hardcore sauna guys. <laughs> and they're sitting in a hundred degrees for like half an hour. <laughs> you know, I read this study um, to do with longevity and mm. uh, uh, what is it? Dr. Patrick, what's her name? Patrick. Anyway, Rhonda Patrick. Rhonda Patrick. And so she was talking about saunas and she was saying that the statistics uh, in the Scandinavian countries mm. is that if you do a sauna once or twice a week, or twice a week, you it affects 
positively affects your longevity by 25%. Wow. And if you do it four to seven times a week, it goes up to 65. Oh, it's to do with heart. I think the heart. Okay. Um, you're less 65% protection, like for the heart, not having a heart attack. That's how wow. good um, saunas are for you. Yeah, yeah. 65% less chance of having a heart attack. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, that is but amazing. But it is four to seven times a week. So that's yeah. quite a lot. Yeah, well, a lot of people have access to a sauna here, either in yeah. their building or at a gym. Um, it's different in Finland where everyone has a sauna in their apartment or house. Mm. Um, so I think yeah, they definitely have the sauna culture dialed in over there. Will your new place have a sauna in the building or do you have to go to the one by the sea? I mean, I have a membership at the one by the sea, so I'll just yeah. keep going there. Yeah. Plus it's nice to be able to jump, to be in the ocean. Yes. Um, it's built yes. out like on the ocean. So you have to, you walk along a dock that's about a hundred meters long and it's built out there on, on, mm. on sticks. Mm. So you feel very separate from the city. You, you yeah, feel like you're, nice. which is great. Yeah. It's amazing. I have My a favorite place. I have an infrared sauna. It's a, it's called my high. So it's kind of like, you've seen it. It's like a yeah. sleeping bag, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it gets up to 70 degrees. Mm. So that's not as, but that's, that's pretty hot. Yeah. Um, and it's against your skin too. Like it's quite close to you. It's right? against your skin. You have to wear yeah, clothes. Yeah. You have to wear clothes. Yeah. It's too hot yeah. to have skin on it. Um, mm. So, you know, I do that. Well, every, I'm doing it every day at the moment, but because um, I'm doing a detox, but I feel so fantastic after doing that sauna. I yeah. just feel so light and energetic. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Just you can kind of jump around. It's so yeah. energizing. I was just there yesterday down at the sauna. It's yeah, it's amazing. It's it's mm. a feeling of lightness, right? It it's, is. I feel like a weight has been removed. That's exactly it, and it's yeah, it's so wonderful. Breathe better. Yeah, and I yeah. tell myself like at the beginning. I tell my body, I say, okay, you can let go of all the toxins now. It's time to go out. Out <laughs> you go. <laughs> yeah. So, to release those toxins. And, yeah, anyway, I'm a real fan. Tobias, he leases a floating sauna oh. on another lake, oh my a nearby God. lake. Um, we do events out there quite often. So Ooh. that's exciting. go and visit that one what, in September. As what well. do you wear inside? Your bathers or something? Well, I mean, you're nude normally. Oh, I'm not going nude. <laughs> Do well, you the... nude in front of other people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Like hundreds of people wandering around in the nude. <laughs> oh, I did that once at SM. You have to be. You're not allowed to wear anything. You, you oh, can really? Have a, you can have a towel if you like, but you're, you're not allowed to wear clothes in the sauna. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So it's split into, there's a male and female side, and then in the middle there's a unisex area. So you can sit together in the middle, which is the humid sauna that I like to go to because there's water constantly pouring on the rocks, so it's like really ah. wet. And then the others are dry saunas, which are a bit, I find them a bit harsh on the skin because they're like very dry. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I'm not going nude. Definitely. <laughs> I don't want to see you nude. <laughs> no, 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 you won't because you just stay to the women's side. Oh, but you said we in just, the middle. Yeah, but if we wanted to sit in the middle together, but oh. it's all, you know, you oh, can I'll access go to the all, women's all side. Parts, then. So just go to the women's. Yeah, yeah. No, it's nice. Um, 
That's and great. Then I the mean, one on the lake, we can wear some clothes on the lake. That's that's great because we're a bit hung up on nudity in Australia. Yeah, that's one thing I noticed. I was out along the beach with a friend from Britain, mm. and he hadn't he'd been living in Malmo for like two years, something. Yeah, the same as me, and he hadn't been to the sauna yet. And I was saying to him, like, yeah, we should go because I th- I feel like Australia and England have a very similar relationship like, attitude around sex. A yeah. little bit like uptight, a little <laughs> bit reserved. Yeah. Uh, that was one thing I noticed when I first traveled in Europe was the nude beaches. And that was really tough for me in the beginning because I was, I was like, Ugh. Um, but then I was able to, to join I in. Think, yeah. And moving here, like being in the sauna, being nude, I was already accustomed to that. Yeah. But when I mentioned to him, we should go to the sauna sometime. He was like, oh, oh I can't do that. So why not? Oh, we have to be naked. And it's like, well, it's okay. <laughs> like I, me and my friends, we hug each other. We hang out. Like we, when we're completely nude. We just, yeah, it's... It, I feel like when you remove the clothing, it's like another layer of, of, pers- of kind of identity that gets shedded away. So we tend to, we tend to like create identity through the clothing we wear. And um, when we remove the clothing and we just all stand naked together, you have no idea who's rich, who's poor, who's fashionable, who's not. Like all those things that we judge each other by just based on clothing are completely removed. And when you're standing on a dock in the sun, cold water, hot sauna with, you know, 50 other naked people, you're all on the same level. You're all just there together experiencing your bodies. And it's really nice. I remember yeah. when I, I did the self mindfulness, self-compassion course at Esalen in California, mm. and they have a, uh, these pools, uh, what are they called? Um, natural spring pools. Mm. And they're nude. You know, people come from all over America to go to these. But anyway, and yeah. I remember we went down like really early in the morning in the dark because I was so nervous about being nude in front of everybody. <laughs> so we're running down in the in the dark with our torches. And by the, the fourth day, it was all, didn't yeah. even think about it. The funny thing. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, on that topic in fact the last podcast i one of the recent podcasts i did was all about um sex and menopause and cbd so i feel like my podcasts are going in a, in a certain yeah direction. yeah you found a track now yeah yeah uh, anyway well was that all in your stories yeah yeah that was great uh, great thank you Thanks for really, the yeah, it was so good to hear those stories and your relationship with the lake and and yeah. life in a foreign city. I think um, for a lot of people who are thinking about living in another country, you know what you've said is really helpful mm. and and very interesting. I found it interesting. So thank you, Asha. Thank you very much, my son, <laughs> for coming on the <laughs> podcast. And yes. I can't wait to be there in yeah what, a month. See, very see exciting. You in a month. Yeah. Yeah. So it is a month. It, a month. Today is well, it's yes. a, it's yeah, just over a month. Yeah. Amazing. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited. So excited. Uh anyway, uh let's wrap up now. But thank you everyone for uh listening to the podcast. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um and until next time, go well, uh, live in joy. Ciao.